Hello, good evening and welcome to Seascapes. On tonight's programme, we're on Valencia Island and at the newly reopened lighthouse. And I try my hand at fly fishing in County Waterford. Last May saw the Valencia Island Lighthouse unveil a new development at his visitor centre. Old Sweeney has been to the lighthouse for seascapes. He was met by the lighthouse manager who showed him around and he spoke to a former lighthouse keeper who offered him his thoughts on the new development and he heard how the community plans to meet the challenges of island life. Lucien Horvat is the general manager of the Valencia Lighthouse. So from here we have 360 views of the whole area. He is showing me 360 views of the area from the top of the newly developed landmark. We can um, look around again. North we have Beginish Island with a little hut on top of it which is called the Pilot's Lookout. It's back in the days people used to sit in that uh, hut, you see it there, and help the ships navigate through the channel here. Um, then we have Dulu's Head to the left here. Then moving around again the entrance to Dingle Bay, the um, tip of Dingle Peninsula, Blasket Sound, Blasket Islands, and then moving around we have the Valencia radio station and we have Valencia Slate Quarry which is very important historically. Uh, the slate from the quarry here, uh, we have it in Westminster Palace in, um, in London and the Opera House in Paris, so very good quality, you know. Um, and then moving around we have, uh, you can see the monument of the Knights of Kerry on the hillside here. And again, moving again, we can see Glanliam, we can see Knightstown and Valencia Harbour. So, I mean, you could be here for hours just looking at the views. What is it like for you to work here at the Lighthouse? Oh, it is very enjoyable. Um, I have a degree in, in tourism and I've always liked to, to interact with visitors and, you know, give them information and see that they're pleased with what they received. And because of the setting as well, it, make it makes it even more enjoyable. Uh, so yes, it, it's, it's fantastic to be down here, you know, on the edge of Europe and, um, you know, interacting with, with people coming down to visit. And we do have a bit of a pride of the place as well, because, you know, you need to get that across to, to people as they come in. Since it's a little windy up here, we're going to continue our chat on lower ground. What has been newly added here lately? So we were very lucky to get um, um, a grant from Fort Ireland. It was part of the Wild Atlantic Way Small Grants Scheme. So we secured the 120,000 euro. So from 120,000 euro, um, so all that amount was put into enhancing the, the place. So we've replaced all the old signage with some nice looking um, uh, monoliths here with a lot of um, information. We've added a, a telescope um, on site here where you can look across the Atlantic to the Blasket Islands and to the surroundings. So what we have um, around here in this area, we have the, uh, the earthen part of the fort. You can see the banks there. There were the defense lines. You can actually notice the defense line. There was a star-shaped fort. Yeah. It was built in 1653 by, by Cromwell. Um, because this was a strategic place here from the military point of view. Um, and the fort was built here to guard the entrance to Valencia Harbour here. There are a couple of beaches on the island. There is one very famous here in Glanliam, just across here. 
Glaniem was the residence for the Knights of Kerry, who used to be the patrons here on the island, and they really developed, you know, the economy and looked after the, the inhabitants here uh, back in 19, starting 19th century. So there's a lovely beach uh, there in Glaniem. We have tropical gardens. They are like the ones in Kells as well because of the, the influence of the, the Gulf Stream here. Um, and they're still in Glanier as well, developed by the Knights of Kerry. What can a visitor expect to see this year that they wouldn't have seen last year? So um, we've enhanced everything. We've, um, we've uh, the, the, the actual dwelling house where the lightkeepers used to live has a 1920 feel. So now when you step into the porch, you step back in time and we have everything, the furniture, the pictures and everything um, dating back to that, uh, that time. Um, there was a lightkeeper that used to live here until 1947 with the family. So uh, we want the visitors to feel how it was for the lightkeepers to live in a place like this and at the same time work um, in a lighthouse. And um, of course with their children and family. And So I think we got that across very well. We have a Morse key, people can practice Morse. The Morse theme is because, as you know, everybody knows, Valencia was the, made the first connection between Europe and America back in the 19th century. So we are related to that in some, and then you can see one of the, the inlet hots for the transatlantic cable just offshore here. Um, so we, and then what we are trying to do also here is we're trying to link in with other attractions, museums in the area. So we have a little thing on display just to kind of um, attract people's interest. And then if they want to see more, they can go and see, for example, we will be opening um, a museum in the cable station, original cable station. And then other themes, uh, for example, the early Christianity, we can send people down to the Skellig experience across the, the bridge there. Uh, so we want to link together with all the businesses because I think that's the way to success and cross-sell and, you know, recommend each other. So the aim is to keep people down here for longer and to eventually make them enjoy more their time. And we do have a lot to offer down here. Included in the new development is a new eco-room. It displays information about the marine life in the area and it raises awareness about our seas. You see, because you have different uh, market segments or different interests in uh, visitors, so some people are interested in history, some people are interested in geology. Um, so because of that, then we have to tailor the experience in such a way that they can avail and they can kind of, uh, you know, addresses their interests. So, and then if we don't cover the whole and the whole array here, we can send them to other places. Ted Kennedy is a Valencian native who spent 30 years working as a lighthouse keeper right around the coast. Valencia Lighthouse was automated in 1947, but it played a big part in Ted's career choice. I left Valencia as a, after school and went into Irish Lights. Uh, when, when I went into the job first, we spent a, a lot of time in Dublin and we used to go from station to station as a fill-in for uh, a fellow would be sick or there might be a station down a man. Now, I lived in Dublin from 61 to 81, and I moved back down to Valencia. I uh, built a house on the island. Now, jobs were very scarce in the early 60s. Uh, very hard to get a job at anything. So um, I worked uh, helping a tradesman here on the, on, at this lighthouse uh, at making a breakwater. And uh, there was another man then called Frank O'Farrell, who was a lighthouse keeper down in 
Nightstone, and he said to me, why not make a, an application for to become a lighthouse keeper? What does it feel like for you now seeing this place being redeveloped and, and some of the culture retained here in Village Island uh, at this lighthouse? Uh, I am, I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud in so far as that uh, uh, I do as much, give the boys here as much help as I can. Um, some days I come down if I'm not employed in my own job, I come down and I give maybe a story about the lighthouse keeper to different people if anybody's interested in it, you know. Have they done a good job? Fairly, fairly good job. Uh, I, uh, my last uniform in uh, 1991, I gave it to, the, to this lighthouse and I gave them my uniform cap and I gave them a, a working coat as well, which uh, you'll see it on the way into the lighthouse. Michal Line is a local historian and is the chairman of the Valencia Island Development Company. He describes some of the challenges the island is dealing with today. Valencia is quite vibrant, so what's it like here and day by day here? Well, the biggest problem we have, I suppose, is uh, the drop in, in population and trying to have enough kids to keep teachers in the school and, and that, and trying to get jobs for people to live here full time. We think maybe that uh, the solution might be uh, first to create jobs here would be the remote working and uh, grow remote and that and uh, we're going to create a digital hub. There are 28 rooms upstairs and we're creating a digital hub there. We'll also have a, a cable experience for a visitor centre and uh, uh, with the COVID there for the last 12 months um, people working from home has come on in leaps and bounds but uh, we were already started on our project before then Shortly now, we will uh, be going out to tender for the restoration of that building. And we would hope maybe to have uh, 50 to 100 people working upstairs there uh, in the next uh, maybe three, two or three years. Well, when it's up and running, um, we would expect uh, a lot of local people who are working in, in Dublin and London, different places, to be able to come back. When the cable station opened in, in 1866, uh, back in Filehamron, but then they moved to Knightstown and built uh, all the houses there, 23 houses and, and the main cable block. Uh, all the, the first workers came from London and Manchester and, uh, you know, different parts of Scotland, and uh, they, they settled in well with the community, you know, and uh, uh, if they could do it uh, then, I suppose, <laughs> with no facilities, um, you know, I think you can do it now. Noel Sweeney reporting there from Valencia Island. That's the sound of the water lapping against an angling boat. I'm in County Waterford to try my luck fly fishing on one of the lakes run by the Waterford City and County Trout Anglers. They have two lakes in beautiful, peaceful surroundings near the village of Kilmeden. Michael Sheehan of Waterford City and County Anglers told me about their lakes. You're in Carrigavantry Reservoir, just outside Tremore in County Waterford. We're surrounded by trees, hills, we're in a little dip here, 30 acre water beautiful. Yes it is, it's a stunning place and uh, the water as you can see is crystal clear, you are only a few minutes away from Tremor and uh, you know you just couldn't ask for a more peaceful place yeah. to be. 
Tell me about the, the club, the Angus club. Oh, it was started over 30 years ago. Uh, we still have two of the founding members and they're still on the committee and serving officers. Uh, David Tantrum, our secretary, and Pat Smith, our treasurer, uh, both still very much in charge. And uh, we have uh, best part of 100 members between adult and junior members. Uh, we openly uh, promote day visits like yourself coming down. We, um, you know, we like to offer our, our, what we have to other anglers uh, and to promote uh, angling tourism in the county. Now you have the fishing on this lake and on another? On Nakaderi, which is just in Kilmeden, uh, which is 10 minutes away from here. Uh, it's a bigger acre, it's, it's, it's over 80 acres, it's, it's much bigger. Um, it, it's not as good a fishery in the summer, um, but in the spring, in the winter and spring, it is a fabulous fishery. But this is a great summer fishery, this Carrigavantry is a great summer fishery. Yeah, why is that? Now we're here now, it's a sweltering day, but we can look down look, and we can see all of these large fish just here. It's, it's a spring fed uh, and it's cooler. The water is cooler and as you can see it's crystal clear. Uh, it is a former uh, supply of water for Tremor and it's, they no longer take water out of it and uh, it's just everything about it is just perfect for fly fishing. It has some wonderful hatches of different flies uh, and it's fabulous fishing. You here, now you've built a, a bit of a harbour here, yeah. you have boats that are for rent. Yes, we have boats for rent. We have four boats here in Carrigavantry for rent and we have three on Nakaderi. Uh, and we do, um, if another club is interested in taking a day, we will provide more boats and we will do a deal with other clubs at any month of the year if okay. they want to go fishing. If I want to come get a day ticket, get a boat, where do I get details? How much is it going to cost me? Right. You get your day ticket in the central supermarket in Kilmeden and you tell them whether you want to come to Carrigavantry or Nakaderi. Um, the price is the same. For two anglers, including a boat, it's €50 Euros okay. for the day. That's including the boat. Uh, and you can kill two fish each and you can catch and release all day long if you're that lucky. You stock the lake here? Yes, we stock it several times a year with rainbows and with browns. And uh, the majority of them would be £2 plus, uh, and some have grown on to close on double figures. Now, we're going to go out fishing. Give me some advice so I don't come back empty-handed. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it, they have started on fry feeding, so I would be using fry patterns uh, and the day that's in it I would I would also use some buzzers but uh, so fry patterns definitely pin fry patterns definitely today because uh, they are feeding hard on the fry okay let's see how we get on out yeah my fishing companion is the angling writer for the Irish Times Derek Evans as luck would have it, the day we picked to travel to Waterford was sweltering hot with bright sunshine, about the worst possible conditions you could have for fly fishing. But there were fish to be seen everywhere. As soon as there's any kind of a hatch, they're up, you know. Oh, So I got a dry fly on it. You can see it there, a clink hammer, just a little white bob. Oh, yeah, and I've got a buzzer hanging off it. So if that doesn't do the business. Yeah. Oh, I missed him. <laughs> no. 
came up for the for the dry. And despite our best efforts in very difficult conditions, that was as good as it got. The lake was full of big fish. They were jumping all around us, but no takers. So when they're jumping out of the water like that, what are they going for? They're, they come up too fast for the flies, you know, and they there is little flies, I think, on the water there, obviously. Now, for the salmon to be a different ball game altogether, they say it's to get the lice off them yeah. when they come into the river first. Derek, there are fish all around us. Yes, indeed, uh, Fargal, there's fish all around us, but unfortunately, they're not interested in what we have to offer them today. Yeah. Um, the conditions are not great. There's bright sunshine and little wind. Um, and uh, the, while there are fish rising, um, I'd say this evening, um, when just before dusk, it'll come on and the fishing will be brilliant. But at the moment, um, it's, a, it's a dead loss. We've given it now about three hours and... Uh, We've hardly rose a fish, yet the fish are jumping all around us, both the rainbows and the browns. Very what frustrating. What's going on with them? Well, they I can't see any fly on the water, but they must be able to see it. But uh, it's certainly not visible to the naked eye. Um, but uh, no, as I say, I think this evening they will certainly, <clears throat> if there is a fly hatch, they'll, they'll be here. Unfortunately, we won't. Because we've had enough now at this stage, but uh, we have enjoyed ourselves, and it's a beautiful spot here. It's, it's a stunning, fantastic it? afternoon. Um, there are people out swimming, uh, sunbathing, and um, it's it could not be better. So we've enjoyed ourselves, although we haven't caught any fish. It's a real hidden treasure of County Waterford. Yes, there's actually two lakes here now in, in uh, Kilmeadon. They're in the suburbs, if you like, of Kilmeadon. One of them is Garavatry and the other is Nakaderi. And uh, <clears throat> they're both terrific lakes. The Garavatry is 30 acres and uh, Nakaderi is 80 acres. And they're both, there's plenty of boats for, for uh, anglers to get out. And... Uh, as I say, as a rule, the fishing is very good. I've been here a couple of times before now and I've had terrific success. But today, with 27 degrees yeah. Celsius, it's, it's a non-runner today. We knew that almost starting out. We knew we were, yes. Um, we thought, look, we might as well take advantage and have a go and see. Um, <clears throat> but uh, it was great to get down and uh, we hope to be back now before the season is out. What's the, you write the angling column for the Irish Times? What's angling being like throughout the country this year? Well, certainly from fly fishing for trout, it hasn't been great. Um, again, um, the the weather has been against us. Well, it's uh, been a very cold start to the year. It was a very cold start, and then then the opposite. It's been very warm. Um, the fly fishing this year, now I'd say, is probably one of the worst that I've experienced um, down through the years. In fact, each year it just seems to be getting that little bit, there's less fish being caught. The day of going out and trying to catch, get fish for your dinner, uh, I'm afraid is, 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 is gone. Do you think so, really? Well, I, I do from, from a fly fishing for trout point of view, but certainly from the sea fishing or from, from um, yeah, from the sea fishing, uh, it's still holding up. Having said that, it appears from what I can gather now that the uh, the salmon, the salmon has been a very good year this year, and uh, there's terrific reports coming in from the rivers 
around Ireland mm. uh, of plenty of salmon and indeed on, on the lakes as well. Somebody thinking of going out angling over the next few weeks towards the end of August, September, what's your advice to them? It's a, known, it's a well-known fact that uh, fly fishing for trout uh, is good when the season opens up till about June and then the fish go feeding on, on uh, the smaller uh, perch fry, etc., and the fishing goes into the doldrums um, for, June, July, for July, June and July and then hopefully comes back at the end of July till the end of the season, which is coming up to the end of September. So we still have a few months to go. And hopefully with the COVID problem, we can, it will get better and we'll be able to spread out a bit further across the country. Thanks to Waterford City and County Trout Anglers. And while conditions were against us on the day, I would highly recommend a visit to their lakes. All details are on their website, waterfordflyfishing.ie. Very occasionally over the last year or so, I've been able to bring you some archive material from the earliest days of RTE. These are coming to us as part of the digitalisation project in our archives here. Recently, I was given a series of programmes from the early 60s called Munster Journal, presented by John O'Sullivan. Here John speaks to a newly retired sea pilot about some of his experiences early in the last century. Once again it's been a week of very high winds and heavy rain here in the south. Last night was particularly bad. It was the kind of night when you hear people saying, Heaven help the sailors on a night like this. The weather was so bad, in fact, that pilot Michael Walsh was unable to leave the Holland America liner Marsdam after taking her out of Cork Harbour, and tonight he is well on his way to New York. This is, of course, no uncommon occurrence in winter, as we learned recently during the course of a conversation with Mr Christopher Hearn, who, until his retirement two weeks ago, was the oldest pilot in the service. When did you first go to sea? Uh, 1909. That would have been in the sailing ship days. Yes, she was an old sailing ship, an old bark, an old bark, Lanarkshire, Savile, London, a giant in Garston, above Liverpool, bound for Fremantle, Western Australia, with a cargo of peat manure. And how long did the voyage last? The voyage lasted about 140 days. 140 days, yes. And we struck very bad weather going out to Fremantle. Very bad weather. Did you go around the Cape? Uh, and around the Cape of Good Hope. And after around the Cape of Good Hope, on our way down to Fremantle, we were into very bad weather, very bad weather. We lost our lifeboats, and we lost a couple of men overboard. Through the tidal wave struck us, we passed an island called St. Paul's Island at four o'clock in the morning. And at four o'clock that afternoon, we were hoped to in a hurricane. We were hoped to win a hurricane. And uh, all hands on deck. And he be shipped too. And about a little after, a quarter after four, there was a tidal wave struck us. And it shifted everything off of the deck. Well, now, would you have any idea how high this wave was when it struck I the ship? No, I don't. Anyhow, it smothered the ship. It filled the ship right up. We thought she was gone. Thought she was gone. A lifeboat's gone, and two men overboard, and the sails, everything went, everything went. But of course you survived. Oh, yeah, yeah, there was two men went overboard, two fellas, we never picked them up, they were last. 
Mr. Hearn, when did you first become a pilot here? Oh, I come up from Australia, 1914, on a sailing ship. I joined a sailing ship in Fremantle, Western Australia. Barcard Inverness, Belant Aberdeen. Joined in Queenstown. I come bound to Queenstown by the run. Come to Queenstown. Queenstown, them days, you know. And we were 100, I think it was 140 days coming to Queenstown, 150 days to Queenstown. From Fremantle in Australia? From Fremantle to Queenstown, yes. That was a long, long but time. Before I joined, before I joined Inverness, I sailed on a coast out here in Australia. I sailed in the schooners, uh, sailed in the schooners up and down Spencer's Gulf, from Port Adelaide, up to Port Pirey, Wallaroo, Port Augusta, and back to Adelaide again, Port Adelaide. And after a while, I got away from the schooners. Yes. I went, went into steam. And that was part of the interview from Munster Journal with Christopher Ahern, dating back to the early 1960s. We'll bring you some more of that in time to come. that's it for seascapes for this week we're back at the same time next friday everything on the program is podcast it's on our website rte.ie slash seascapes if you want to contact me or the program the email is seascapes at rte.ie if you're anywhere on or near the water over the next week stay safe Seascapes is presented and produced by Fergal Keane.